As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, guess what? We're back. It's the Here's the Catch podcast first episode of the 2021 season because training camp is underway. We're, what, 10 or 11 days in. We're in the dog days right now, and that means that we can bring the podcast back. So, Matt, how's it going? It's going well. I feel a little bit into dog days, but I'm really looking forward to this uh, first preseason game coming up on uh, on Saturday against the Chiefs. And somebody said something the other day. I don't know if it was Kyle Shanahan or someone else, but not not only are you know Trey Lance and this year's rookie class going through their first preseason game, but remember last year's rookie class didn't have a preseason. So a guy like Juwan Jennings, uh, somebody who's looked pretty good in camp uh, when he's been on the field, this will be his first uh, game in a 49ers uniform. Uh, so th- th- I think uh, a lot of people are really anticipating this uh, this preseason opener uh, coming up. Especially, I think, for running backs and by extension, 49ers, tight ends and receivers, because this is such a yak-oriented team. This is a team that, you know, success or failure a lot of the time is determined by the yards after the catch, the tackles broken. Well, obviously, almost everything that a running back does on the ground is determined by how well he could run through some tackles, right? So for the 49ers to evaluate their offense, you can't really properly do it in a practice where there isn't live tackling to the ground. And Kyle Shanahan will be the first to tell you I can't evaluate these guys, especially the running backs, fully until the preseason games because that's where the full live tackling will be. We talked to the assistant coaches uh, today on Monday, and Bobby Turner, one of his main things, I mean, he is just so excited right now because that first preseason game is on Saturday where we're going to get to see, I mean, not only Elijah Mitchell, not only Trey Sermon uh, maybe running through some tackles, and this may make some fans wince, but possibly Trey Lance also out in the open field because the way that the 49ers have been running Trey Lance in practice, uh, you know that there's going to be some work with his legs in a game, and that's going to mean that he's going to have to take that big frame and and do what he did at North Dakota State, and that's absorb some tackles. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the bread and butter plays at North Dakota State was a right up the middle 
run by Lance. I I don't think we'll see that. I mean, uh, they, they've been moving Lance into the flats and out towards the sideline. And boy, I, I hope that's what the 49ers do in the preseason. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that's going to be part of this offense. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has made no secret about that in recent days, that uh, Lance is going to get in and it's going to be the these specialized plays that we've seen him running here and there. Um, and you're right about some of these other guys. I think Elijah Mitchell will be a real kind of curiosity factor for Bobby Turner and the rest of this team. He's a guy that was 215 at Louisiana, um, you know, played, you know, like a 215-pound guy. He, uh, he was good in traffic, broke arm tackles. He's 15 pounds lighter now, and so he's got that, that speed, maybe not quite Raheem Mostert speed, but that's what he's known as, and I think the, the 49ers will want to see him um, and, and how he breaks tackles, how he moves the pile. Um, not only is he around 200 pounds, but he sort of has an upright running style, and I think the 49ers would like to be reassured that, okay, th- this guy can do those kind of meat and potatoes type of running as well as the outside zone stuff that uh, he's going to be asked to do quite a bit as well. I have an exciting update for you on that front, Matt, because I was I said exactly that to Bobby Turner today, and Bobby corrects me. Okay, so here's what happened. So we had Elijah Mitchell at 215 during his career at Louisiana, cut to 200 and started running that 4-3 speed right. for his pro day. And, and, and I was... You know, I'd assumed he was at around 200 right now based on all the conversations. And Bobby Turner jumped in and corrected him. He said, no, no, no. He's back up to 211, oh. but he's running just as well as he did when he was 200. So they've put on functional weight. And the reason that, that Bobby corrected me is like he, he said, I think those 10 pounds are what's going to allow him to push piles in the NFL level um, or at the NFL level. So... Um, I thought that was whoa. You know that I went back and listened listened to it again right before we started the podcast, and that's literally what Bobby Turner said. So, um, I, best of both worlds, right? 49ers are going to have a guy you know, that they can develop. Obviously, Trey Sermon is ahead of Elijah Mitchell. He he's really impressed. He's going to be in there, I think, with the first team. I think you're going to see Trey Sermon be you know the Tevin Coleman from 2019 for the 49ers to, I'm going to steal a word from you, Matt, to tenderize the defense ahead of, of Raheem Mostert. You know, he's going to be the change-up speed, and then Raheem Mostert's going to be the 102-mile-an-hour fastball. But I think with Elijah Mitchell, super exciting for the 49ers to have a late-round draft pick, um, bringing you top-end speed, but also finding a way to get that muscle back on to be able to give him a little bit of uh, the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, uh, little nugget there because we had Elijah Mitchell the other day uh, in, in front of the 49ers media, and he said he's he's the same speed he was when he ran that 4-3-3 before the draft. So if, if he's running a 4-3-3 at 2-11, I'm a little bit dubious that it's 4-3-3, but, uh, you know, it's fast. It's fast enough, certainly for this, this yep. offense. That's a uh, that's a very nice development, and um, he's somebody. I mean, uh, you know, he's probably down on the depth chart now. You're, you're right. It probably goes Raheem Mostert, and then he gets a very quick hook, uh, probably in all three of these preseason games, and then Trey Sermon, and then you know, uh, it, it gets a little fuzzier after that. Wayne Gallman, uh, I gotta believe that uh, Bobby Turner likes him. He was a guy that really delivered for the Giants last year. Uh, Jeff Wilson, when he comes back. And then, uh, and then Elijah Mitchell and Jermichael Hasty. I, I, I got to think that Mitchell is ahead of Hasty on the on the depth chart. Um, we see Mitchell lining up as a gunner on, on the punt return team. 
uh, or the punt coverage team, rather, uh, which is a big deal. I mean, that's a that's a major role on this team. That means that you're going to be up in uniform on game days. Uh, so if he can nail that down to the degree or even closer, close to the degree that Raheem Mostert did early in his career, that uh, that would be a great way to hang around beyond the beyond the roster, and then when somebody goes down, you just step in. Well, there's a common theme between all of the 49ers running back acquisitions from this offseason, and that is, on tape, the propensity to move piles forward. And, you know, none of these three guys are plus-size running backs. They're not 220-pound bell cows. They, they all can run a little bit. They all have a burst. But in the case of Trey Sermon, he pushed piles uh, forward. In the case of Elijah Mitchell, he pushed piles forward. And in the case of Wayne Gallman, who they signed right before the draft, so he's a veteran, he's done it at the, at the NFL level. You watch Wayne Gallman's best statistical game. That came at Seattle last year, so that should endear him right away to 49ers fans. The guy just keeps on churning his legs, and even at – you know, not plus size, he moves piles forward. And, you know, I told Bobby Turner that, and he just started smiling, and all he said was, that's why they're here. That That's why Bobby Turner got up on the table and advocated for the 49ers to sign Gallman, to draft Sermon, and to draft Elijah Mitchell, because it's very clear that this team is trying to add a, a physical nasty to its run game that we might not have seen before. And, I, boy, I think that's going to be a thunder and lightning combination if everybody stays healthy with her Raheem Mostert, who's also, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit for his physicality, Raheem Mostert, but um, let's be honest. I mean, Raheem Mostert is the fastest guy in the league, right? And when you combine that with the, the, the bruising potential that these other backs have, and then you throw Trey Lance into the mix too because you know he's going to have some package plays, that 49ers run game, which we know Shanahan bases his offense around, uh, I think that that can be taken to a new level this year, especially when you consider the improvements they've made to their offensive line. Yeah, and uh, it's not just improvements to the offensive line. It's uh, it's heft that they've added to the offensive line. We've we've all read about uh, Mike McGlinchey adding uh, you know 15 to 20 pounds. Um, you know the other tackle, uh, Trent Williams is you know around 330. The the future right guard Aaron Banks. I talked to him after Saturday's practice. He's 229. Uh, I'm sorry. He's he's 329. Uh, and, and that surprised me because I, I was watching him and I thought, okay, this is a guy that has dropped weight. He doesn't. There's no sloppy weight with him. Um, and uh, 329 to me was surprising. Uh, he he handles it well and uh, he moves in space well. Uh, he's really good at getting up into the second level. His p- pass protection, which was his forte at uh, at Notre Dame, has been spotty, and I think that might kind of keep him out of the lineup for a little while. Uh, but just the potential you have there, as you noted, uh, I, I don't know what Alex Mack is these days, but uh, I, I'm, I'm certain it's over 300 pounds. This is a much bigger line than the lines that the 49ers have had in recent years. And I think you're, you're what you to your point earlier, uh, Trey Lance kind of brings that power element at times. Um, Trey Sermon certainly does. I think Trey Sermon from OTAs onward has been the most impressive rookie out of all these guys he's just been stable from the moment he set foot on the field and i have to believe that that bobby turner really loves that about him this this guy uh carries himself like a veteran uh from the get-go 
an old school guy like Bobby Turner loves that. Loves a guy who sits in the front row, takes copious notes. You don't have to tell him things twice. And that's what Trey Sermon's been since, uh, since he got here in, in May. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's uh, hop over to the other tray right now because I'm sure that those of us who haven't listened in a long time are probably waiting until we address what's happening in the quarterback room because that's obviously the the area that's getting uh, the most fascinated response right now from the 49ers with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, Albert Breer, I thought, had a a, a very well-reasoned and very well-researched take on the 49ers quarterback situation that really mirrored a lot of what we've been saying, Matt, today. And, you know, Albert's line early in uh, the the piece is is, uh, as follows. It'd be a mistake to look at what's happening in San Francisco as you would a conventional race for a quarterbacking job almost anywhere else. And that's because Kyle Shanahan's not looking at the decision he'll have to make as binary. And, you know, I, I thought that just, you know, hit the nail on the head. Uh, the 49ers were watching this every day at practice. Jimmy Garoppolo's working with the first team. Trey Lance is working with the second team. And Trey Lance is not only working with the second team, he's getting unique work with the second team. All while Shanahan has said he plans to get him behind that first team offensive line to be able to use him situationally on game days. Uh, to me, th- I mean, this is something I thought that was you know, evident on draft night when you saw the 49ers pick Trey Lance and you saw his physical skill set and you saw them stay committed to Jimmy Garoppolo for this 2021 season. To me, they're developing two guys on parallel paths. And with Garoppolo, it's more refinement than development because he's a veteran. But they're getting the Lance package ready. And the Lance package, in my opinion, is going to be something a lot more complex than the Taysom Hill package in New Orleans or what the Tebow package or the Tebow era was in Denver. I think the Trey Lance package is going to be something that features both Lance's legs and his arm. And it's going to be something that Shanahan meshes with Jimmy Garoppolo, who, again, has been doing all the snaps for the first team so far. If, if they were going for a full Trey Lance offense, they'd be wasting you know time, valuable, precious time every single day that he's not in there full time with the ones. So based on the action so far, I think you have to believe that at this moment, it's Kyle Shanahan's plan indeed to operate both of those guys. And if you know Shanahan being one of the most creative coaches in the league, it's going to be fascinating to track how he mixes and matches his quarterbacks this season to gain as much of a comparative advantage as possible. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, back in 2012, over the first eight games, the 49ers sent Colin Kaepernick into the game. You pretty much knew what Kaepernick was going to do. He's going to do things that he did at the University of Nevada. Lance has shown that he can do a little bit of everything. There definitely will be runs. There are specific 
run type plays that Shanahan is working on, you know, sometimes with first string offense that are specifically done for Trey Lance. So there's that. I think what encouraged the 49ers, what was so apparent to all of us who were watching is that he's more advanced in in other areas than I think they thought he might be coming into training camp. And so I think you're absolutely right. That's the plan this season. The question now becomes, okay, what what happens if that plan starts to fall apart? You know, the, the old adage is plans are only as good until you get punched in the mouth, and then and then what do you do after that? What happens if there is a rough stretch? Um, you know, has uh, Trey Lance shown enough that the 49ers would be uh, more willing? I guess that's the the key. More willing to make a move, uh, you know, for, for a game, for a stretch of games with, with Lance now than they may have been when they were sort of formulating this offseason plan. And, um, you know, uh, it, it, I think that those 40 days that Lance spent away from the facility uh, are really the, the story of training camp right now because he obviously did a lot of things right. It was, wasn't just learning the playbook. It was sort of working on his feet, working on his base, working on his fundamentals uh, with John Beck and that group who know Shanahan and, and that offense so well. Uh, and, and so that was, uh, that was a really, really encouraging fir- first step for him, necessary step for him. And I think everybody is just over the moon Uh, by the progress that he made during that time. I think it's a combination of relief and extreme optimism, right? Because you invest so much in one player, all those first-round draft picks to to pick him at number three. uh, Obviously, you are gambling on Trey Lance being a transcendent talent that's your quarterback of the future. So you want that first impression to be good you know you're just if you're the 49ers you entered this camp i think with your fingers crossed you know hoping that that first impression would be good because a lot of times this kind of stuff does go with how the tone is set right so if the tone is set you know on sketchy ground uh, everybody gets a little queasy after all that they spent for trey lance but he he passed the initial test with flying colors enough for Kyle Shanahan to comfortably go out and say that the plan is indeed to get Trey Lance to play and you know I I don't think that's a plan that Kyle Shanahan devised over the first two weeks of camp I think that's what he devised when he was flying home from Justin Fields pro day drawing up plays for Trey Lance on his iPad I think this is something that Kyle Shanahan has uh, you know day day dreamt about for a while and when Trey Lance did show up after those 40 days away and and was as comfortable, you know, even if it was against the second team defense, but was that comfortable on an NFL practice field, I think that verified for the 49ers that, you know, we can keep moving forward with this plan. And, and you're absolutely right, though. This is a fluid situation. It's a nuanced situation. And it's one that, uh, you know, we might be tracking throughout the whole season because if Trey Lance does continue improving, if he now takes the next step in the move the ball periods and the situational periods in which he struggled a bit more than he did earlier on, but that's all to be expected from a rookie. But if he keeps on taking the next step, in those situations, which he can during preseason games against the Chargers in training camp when the 49ers go down to Costa Mesa for those uh, practices, well, th- then Shanahan's just going to have a whole lot more option power at his disposal. And I think at the end of the day, that, that was the theme of this offseason, and it's continuing into this season, especially at the quarterback position. 
Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers want option power because with greater options at the most important position uh, comes greater potential of success. Yeah, uh, option is a great word considering that's what uh, Trey Lance has been running quite a bit of. And and you're right, at, at the very root of this, um, this is insurance over what has sunk the 49ers in two of the last three seasons, which is a quarterback getting hurt. So um, you're right. The, the, that first week of Trey Lance uh, brought great relief and exhale that, okay, if uh, something were to happen to Jimmy Garoppolo, we're not going down the 2018 path. We're not going down the 2020 path. We've got somebody worthwhile uh, to take over. Um, so I, I think that was fantastic. Um, you know, this, this does not become a problem if, if the 49ers win steadily from, from the get-go. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be rough patches, and it, it'll be, you know, uh, partly, you know, sort of PR, and, and what um, Shanahan is able to communicate to the fan base, to the media, uh, to his own players. Uh, that, that Breer piece seemed um, to suggest that Shanahan was very encouraged that his, his players see that big picture that you were describing. Uh, that it's not binary that that uh, Breer had in that in that quote. I, I, I think that's right right now because everything is great right now. Both quarterbacks look great. Um, you know, practices are going smoothly. No big injuries to this point. Again, it's uh, I think a lot of teams sort of have this great uh, master plan that everybody's on board with when a season begins. It's when uh, you know after it begins and. Uh, things don't go as smoothly as you thought, and all of a sudden um, you realize, oh, there's a guy that we drafted third overall on the roster, and he's only playing four or five snaps a game. So that, that'll that be the question, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Shanahan has definitely set the stage. I think he's doing a good job in trying to explain it calmly to everybody. There's going to be a certain number of fans who, who never quite get it that way. But, um, yeah, uh, so far, so good. Everything, I think, is has gone according to plan for the 49ers to this point. Here's the big picture as far as 2021 is concerned. You talk about having a grand plan until you're punched in the face. Well, that's exactly what the 49ers had in 2018 and 2020, both times. They got punched in the face, and they weren't ready for being punched in the face. They went to Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard in those two seasons. Well, if you do zoom out now, you realize that no matter what you know, problems, drama, controversy the 49ers might have, if they do encounter a rough tre- stretch in the season or if they do encounter some injuries in the season, they're still better off on paper to be able to absorb the punch because now – uh, they actually have some depth at the quarterback position, right? So now you're insulated there. And, you know, I've always saw the Trey Lance plan as, as a coexisting plan. You have the short term and the long term. And obviously, when you trade that much for a guy, you want him to contribute in both facets, right? And you could even use the short term and the development that happens over that time and the fact that you have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster to be able to get Trey Lance's feet wet. You could use the short term to benefit the long term. And I think that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan's trying to do. He's trying to say, guys, we can make both of these approaches coexist and we can have a transition from the short term into the long term that maximizes our chances of winning this year, which is why the 49ers pushed so many one-year deals onto the table for this season. It is one now mode, but also for the future, 
when obviously Trey Lance's physical talent can help the 49ers reach their goals, but obviously the fact that he's on a rookie deal can also potentially help them, uh, you know, craft the most well-rounded roster possible within the context of the salary cap moving forward. So it's complicated. It's hard to explain. It's not good for Twitter, right? Because Twitter wants one or the other. Twitter doesn't understand when something is nuanced. But I'm I'm glad we get to flesh this out and talk about it because I do think that the 49ers are trying to do multiple things at once with this whole Lance and Garoppolo situation. And that rookie deal allows them to uh, you know, have the one of the highest paid offensive tackles in the league, one of the highest paid middle linebackers. They could have the highest paid defensive end in the league coming up uh, very shortly. Uh, and, and I think that's been another um, interesting storyline of, of training camp. Nick Bosa, I mean, we've, we've been watching him. He's not doing any versus opponents type of work yet. It's all been, you know, against uh, tackle sleds and tackle dummies. But, boy, he looks pretty sharp when he's doing that. And the other uh, guy who's who's probably been even a bigger surprise is D. Ford. Uh, D. Ford has been out there just about every day. Again, he's not going through a full practice yet, uh, but he's been pushing himself. Uh, You you can see him trying out different things. He's not there yet. But, uh, you know, with, with every practice, I think, David, there's more and more optimism that at least D. Ford is going to be able to contribute this year. And uh, if he's contributing at a 2018 or 2019 level, that's just bonus money for this team. That's just gravy for this already uh, very, very talented defensive line, which uh, I, I think it's... Uh, far and away the best uh, position group on this team. It's the heartbeat of the team. I mean, we're out there every single day at practice, and uh, I think we've talked about this multiple times. We're, you know, we both love football. We love the energy that comes with ball being back, and that means that like a magnet, that corner of the field where Chris Kacerik is working with a defensive lineman, it just draws us in. You know, if you want to feel alive, if you want to feel motivated – and, and ready to, you know, pun intended, tackle the rest of your day, you go and watch the 49ers defensive linemen do their work before team drills start. And it's not like that with, with every single team. But with the 49ers and with Chris Krasarek, the, the position coach over there, and with Daryl Tapp, who's his new assistant over there, and with all that talent in the corner just pounding the sleds and all the yelling and, and, and the hooting and hollering, that really is the emotional heartbeat of, of the 49ers team. You know, everybody could write what they want about the quarterback situation, and everybody can say how loaded the roster is across multiple positions, and that's all true. But uh, at the end of the day, this is a full-contact sport that in many ways is won and lost in the trenches. And uh, because of the personality, because of the level of talent, because of the investment that the 49ers have made in the defensive line, I mean, they're spending in cap space, I think, uh, more than almost 30 other teams in the NFL in that position. And that only partially factors in the fact that they've uh, used so much high first-round draft capital in that position. So if you look at the big picture, the small picture, the practice picture, it's that corner. It's the defensive line corner that really makes this team tick. And that's why I call it the heartbeat. And uh, the fact that D. Ford is back out there, the fact that Nick Bosa should be out there for week one, 
it, it's allowed the 49ers to have visions of 2019. And it's going to be different than 2019, but I think it could be different in a good way. I think they might be deeper on the interior, for example. No DeForest Buckner, but you still have Bosa. You still have Armstead. You still potentially will have D Ford out there if he could stay healthy. And now you have a guy named Javon Kinlaw, too. So it's exciting times for that 49ers defensive line, and I, I think as it goes, so will this team. Yeah, I mean, um, personality is is part of it. I mean, uh, you know, we, we look at uh, the guy's size and weight and how many sacks they have and this, that, and the other, but it, it's how that all kind of congeals, the chemistry, uh, the vibe, uh, getting into a groove, and, and this team seems to have the right ingredients for that. Um, you know, I, I have not talked to him yet, but I've heard very good things about Zach Kerr sort of being, you know, sort of a, a veteran, uh, veteran type of glue type of guy. He's going to be a great mentor, I think, for Javon Kinlaw. Uh, we talked to Arden Key yesterday, who seems very happy to be here versus uh, in uh uh, with the Raiders. Uh, Maurice Hurst is another guy with a great personality. So uh, DJ Jones, uh, everybody I, I, I think by now knows uh, what a uh, just a, a fun-loving, funny guy he is. All these guys like being out there. I mean, they're worked hard, David. I don't know if I, I've ever seen a position group since I've covered the 49ers work as hard, constantly hard as the D-line group does. And, and nobody complains. They, they, they seem to take kind of a, a pride in it. They like being around each other. Uh, they love their coaches. And you mentioned Daryl Tapp. He was added to that mix. And just a guy who's you know literally out of the, the Chris Kacerik mold. Uh, Kacerik coached him uh, quite a bit. And uh, I think that he's, uh, you know, in the running for becoming a, a defensive line coach himself one day and sort of being a, uh, another version of Kacerik, uh, he's, he seems to have all the, the right ingredients to that, too. So it, it's a great group. It's going to be the strength of, uh, of this defense. Um, the only question mark are, are these ends, and uh, everybody seems to be on track for, for playing. Maybe not uh, D Ford a lot early in the season, but um, you know, talking about D Ford playing at all in 2021 is something that we weren't even kind of considering five or six months ago. But uh, now it seems like more of a reality. I don't want to speak too soon for the 49ers because then people are going to jump all over me on this. But the vibe seems so different than 2020 when you know even it just started with uh, with those injuries in the off season, Debo breaking his foot, and then the whole COVID test that happened in. In, in Nashville that uh, broke up the 49ers summit there. A lot of the offensive players were getting some work in. I mean, it, you know, 2020, and then, you know, the sky was orange when the season started, right? Everything just felt weird for the 49ers in that year, which obviously started with them blowing a lead late in the Super Bowl. Uh, to me, he, the fact that we saw Nick, For uh, Nick Bosa and uh, D Ford out there uh, on the very first day of practice, the fact that we saw or have seen Jalen Hurd out there, uh, you know, in the days since, Jalen Hurd catching a pass, all these, you know, dominoes that just a couple months ago or just a few weeks ago, people were saying, oh, there's a snowball chance in hell that, that D Ford will, uh, will be out there or that Jalen Hurd will be out there. Well, the fact that it's actually happening just gives a healthier, literally, vibe to the 49ers than in the past. Obviously, they've had their injuries in the offseason, but I think every team deals with a little bit of that. I mean, you talk about Tarverius Moore and 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 Justin School 
and the the whole OTA situation. But throughout camp so far, and you can knock on wood if you're a 49ers fan, it does seem to be a healthier vibe. does seem to be a more optimistic vibe. And uh, if it stays that way, if the roster is able to stay reasonably healthy through the rest of camp and these preseason games, they indeed should be deep. And I, I guess we're talking about Jalen Hurd, so it's a natural segue to the receiver position. That's one with Hurd back and Jawan Jennings now back. All of a sudden, that position group, Matt, looks potentially deeper than I expected it to look. Uh, I, I was very iffy about the depth of the receiver room entering camp. I mean, you have Ayuk and Samuel at the top, but then you're not sure what the hell's going on beyond that. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, if, if you get Hurd healthy and he stays that way, which it, you know is proceeding along that track right now, if, uh, if Jawan Jennings is available, if Mohamed Sanu is as healthy as he's looked uh, as opposed to last year when he was hampered by that ankle sprain, all of a sudden you have a decent-looking room there beyond the top two guys. Yeah, uh, we, we should start with the top two guys. They, they look fantastic, and um, Debo Samuel, uh, in particular, I think has, has just jumped out. I mean, he's, uh, slimmer this year. You, you mentioned the foot injury last year. We didn't even see him in training camp. Um, and, uh, the foot injury led to, to, to a Debo Samuel issue, which is gaining weight. Um, and, um, he hasn't done that this past off season. He's, he's below the weight that Wes Welker wants him to play at. And that's been evident in, in how he's played. Uh, you know, they're obviously not going to do the uh, the typical Debo Samuel catch and run that he does uh, in the regular season. They don't, they don't want to get any defensive backs injured. Uh, but he's been really terrific on the on the downfield stuff, which is uh, an element of his game that he worked on in the offseason that he wants to um, expand this year, and he's done so so far. So the first two guys, uh, I think that's got to be one of the most encouraging things coming out of camp is that those those two players look the part. Uh, and, and I'm not sure you could have said that, uh, you know, since, I don't know, uh, Michael Crabtree and Anquan Bolden were, were here in 2014 or so. Um, yeah, then I think there's a drop-off, and, and probably Sanu right now is the second guy, and Trent Shurfield is the third guy. But you're right, those two guys that you mentioned, Juwan Jennings, um, there's going to be a receiver who's going to stand out in these preseason games. Uh, there, there should be. And um, he's, a, he's a, a strong candidate to do that. Um, he missed that for the first 10 days because he was on the COVID list. He's come back. He's been very apparent, I would say, uh, in, in the practices uh, over the last few days. That's likely because he's got fresh legs and whatnot. But um, he does have size. He's slimmed down a little bit. Uh, over the off season, he's um, he's hungry, and uh, I, I think that that's going to come to the forefront in these three preseason games that are coming up. And, and the 49ers would love to see that. Just somebody kind of taking that that last spot or one of those last spots in that receiver room. I think that's what uh, they'd love to see uh, in the preseason. I heard they're calling him Skinny Debo in the building, <laughs> and that that's a compliment because Debo Samuel broke his foot last off season, and that just had a bunch of downstream ripple effects uh, on his conditioning, and and then it obviously derailed his entire 2020 season. But it, it's it's one of the talks of the 49ers building right now, from the coaching staff to the players. Debo Samuel came in in serious shape, and and you could tell it's it's allowed him to start running the deep ball. I mean, one of the best plays at camp was the was the pass from Jimmy Garoppolo, 45 yarder, hit Debo Samuel in stride downfield. I think the 49ers hope that. Better pass protection combined with receivers who are in better shape, like Debo Samuel, 
a little bit lighter, a little bit faster, will allow them to start airing it out a little bit more, add that deep game into the fold. And Garoppolo hit uh, Samuel in stride for what I think symbolically you know, verified that, that that's in the 49ers' plans. And, I mean, Debo himself has said that. So that, that receiver room uh, is intriguing for the 49ers, but far from complete. We'll see if they could really – polish it off here in these preseason games before the opener at Detroit. Uh, you know, the, the, the tight end room is so tied to it because you see uh, a lot of crossover uh, as far as assignments go. Receivers also uh, tasked with run blocking. And there's a f- emphasis on yards after the catch throughout all of these playmakers, right? George Kittle is big in that regard. Samuel obviously is big in, regard, uh, in that regard. But as we do shift focus toward the tight ends, uh, Matt, uh, everybody knows about Kittle. This is an all-pro superstar. If he's healthy, just like a lot of these other guys with that asterisk, he's he's going to be a problem for other teams. But beyond that, where do you see the 49ers going? I mean, you have Dwelly who's doing some good stuff. They're happy with how he's progressed strength-wise. Michael Pruitt is an interesting player. To me, he's been out with a calf issue, but they expect him back soon. And then Charlie Werner. I mean, he's been working with, with uh, George Kittle in the offseason. Do you think that he has made uh, you know, that necessary stride to be a compliment to to George Kittle here in this 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, um, his his play strength, I think, was an issue last year, and that's why he was out in, in Nashville working with George. Um, you know, George has become, you know, one of the best blocking tight ends in, in the league and, and has really worked on his strength over time. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think, I think that's something that we'll be able to see more plainly against the Chiefs, against the Chargers, um, in, in the preseason. And then, you know, another guy, a late addition is, is Jordan Matthews. And, um, you know, he just has this eagerness about him. You, you could just feel it, hear it on the field. And, and you need to have that if you're moving from receiver to tight end. It's a punishing position. You have to take on 265, 270-pound defensive ends at times. Uh, and uh, a, a receiver certainly can't do that. A tight end is overmatched, but um, you have to have that willingness to do that. And uh, Matthews has the requisite zeal. Um, you know, the question will be, does he have the technique uh, to, to, to do it in the same year that he's converting? That's a, that's a pretty daunting ask uh, or task to, to have. But uh, like I said, he's attacking it the right way. So he'll be interesting to watch. I mean, I just see them putting him in the, at that F position, which is basically the, the slot position, um, and, and doing with him uh, what, what they'd like to do, you know, pairing George Kittle, a Y, uh, an inline blocker, with uh, more of a pass-catching tight end. I think that's what the 49ers have wanted to do for a while. I just wonder whether Matthews ultimately will be that nice compliment for uh, George Kittle. Let's flip it over to the back to the defensive side of the ball so we really just cover the whole roster here because we've almost gotten it all uh, squared away, but obviously a very, very crucial component that we haven't talked about yet is the secondary. And for that 49ers secondary, Matt, I think it's an absolutely fascinating year. I talked to uh, Corey Unlin today, who's the, the cornerbacks coach for the 49ers, and, you know, the, the theme of our conversation was that here's a secondary where you have three stalwarts who turn 30 within like a month of each other this offseason. And uh, Jason Verrett, Kwan Williams, and Jimmy Ward. 
And then you also have three draftees who the 49ers have high hopes for, at least for one or two of them, right? And Ambry Thomas, Diamador Lenore, and Talanoa Hufanga. And you have these veterans on mostly one-year deals. Jimmy Ward is still under contract for two more seasons, but the 49ers made a lot of one-year signings that fit under the salary cap with the more experienced guys. And obviously, since they're now on the wrong side of 30, you can't really expect them to be around for all too much longer, even if they are extended beyond this season. So I see this as another position at which the 49ers are trying to maximize short-term success with the veterans, but also find a way to develop that longevity with the rookies. And on the practice field, I've already seen I've seen Tavon Wilson, the uh, free agent safety they signed. He's a veteran on the wrong side of 30. I've seen him trying to mentor Ambry Thomas. I mean, they were in a, in a very intense discussion the other day with Wilson explaining something to Ambry Thomas. Countless other situations have already happened. There's teaching situations on the field from veterans to youngsters. And it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out because the 49ers obviously hope for health at the start of the season. And that means the veterans are going to be the guys playing. And I guess they can hope for health to stay as long as possible. But you just know at some point somebody's going to get nicked up. And you know that one of those rookies or one of those youngsters or one of those more unproven guys is going to get tested. And the question is, how quickly are those players going to come along because at the end of the day, I think that's going to be a variable that determines a lot of the 49ers' success this season. Yeah, I think the 49ers hope that a rookie or two does get in there, to, to your point, so that they have that seasoning uh, for, for years to come. But uh, obviously you don't want it to happen all at once. You, you'd like uh, Ambry Thomas to get into a, a starting lineup on the day that Tavon Wilson, Jimmy Ward, and Jason Verrett are there too to, to help him out. Um, but you're right. I mean, on, on paper, it looks like a really smart sort of uh, pivot, a transition year where you do have those uh, 30-somethings in the secondary to um, sort of begin the season and, and help bring these, these youngsters along. Um, you know, I, I watch uh, Unlin in, in practice quite a bit. And he is always, always coaching up Diamador Lenore. Um, you know, he is uh, on him about technique, this, that, and the other. Um, th- these guys are getting a real crash course this offseason. It's something that just wasn't available last season. You know, what, one of the interesting things uh, from the 2020 season is, I forget how many draft picks the 49ers had, but it was, it was a, a small number, five, uh, I think. Uh, those guys basically missed out. On a on a full off season, all this these teaching moments you were just describing weren't available to the the 2020 draft class. Uh, so you know the, the the 49ers are you know these, these youngsters are are taking advantage of it now. Um, I don't want to make it sound like Lenore needs a lot of coaching. I, I I think he does, but I think that Undlin is is taking him aside all the time because he has so much potential. Um, and because there is the, the very real possibility that he's going to have to come in uh, in week two versus Philadelphia or week three versus Arizona, whatever it may be, um, you know, th- there, there's not a lot of depth uh, at that position. And um, frankly, you know, some of the, the 49ers cornerbacks are, are uh, on the small side. You could easily see those guys getting nicked up. Uh, and then having to kind of go to one of these these rookies early on. So much interest surrounding Ambry Thomas because he was the highest draft pick this year in the third round, which 
you know, third rounders are players that in an ideal world will, will start, maybe not right away, but uh, at least, you know, relatively soon in their NFL career. And it makes sense when you look at the expiring contracts on the Fort Anners roster and the draft positioning of Ambry Thomas, that you would see that their ideal long-term plan would have Thomas in a starting role sooner rather than later. And uh, one thing I've noticed is, boy, I mean, this is going to be a simultaneously glass half full and glass half empty observation, but the glass half full portion of it is that Jason Verrett looks great. Jason Verrett physically looks as good as I've ever seen him. Uh, obviously not the highest bar to clear with the 49ers since uh, there were injury issues at the start of his tenure, but I've seen the Chargers film. Didn't get to look at him up close in person during camp back in those days, but he looks he looks, you know, a little bit more muscle bound. He looks more physical, ready for that press man coverage. The 49ers will be, you know, increasing in their repertoire this offseason, and, and he's ready to go. Uh, Ambry Thomas, the rookie, when he stands next to him, you know, who specialized and did well in press man coverage at Michigan and college, uh, does not look like Jason Verrett physically. Uh, he looks like a rookie, and there's going to be a need to really hit that weight room for for Ambry Thomas to be able to did do what he did in college at an NFL level, and that's exactly what Corey Unlin told me. He said it's it's just going to be all about getting stronger for Ambry Thomas, and he used Jason Verrett as the example of of a guy that that's that's the the physique that you want to get to. That's the physique that you want to maintain. Now Ambry probably a little bit taller than Jason Verrett, so he probably won't need to be as wide, but uh, still the point is taken. It's going to take some time with that strength and conditioning staff uh, to get these rookies up to that level. But that's why the 49ers try to buy the year, right, with these one-year deals uh, so, so that, that these guys can, can slowly work in there. Uh, again, though, they're going to have to find a way to get, you know, meet halfway during the season because there's no way, in my opinion, that they won't need to leverage their depth. And that's going to mean probably throwing Lenore, probably throwing Ambry Thomas, maybe throwing Talanoa Hufanga into the mix before they have fully realized uh, the you know idealized NFL body that the 49ers and their strength and conditioning staff is shooting for over a year or two of development. Who are your, your top three players of these first 11 practices? Uh, it sounds like Verrett is one of them. For me, it would be uh, Verrett, Debo Samuel, and um, Fred Warner. I mean, we, we, we don't talk about him much, but he's He's always in the right spot, uh, intercepting passes, uh, w- filling holes, stuff like that. Uh, anyone else uh, stand out to you as just being on the mark of these, these first 11 games? Yeah, I mean, you have to mention Fred. Uh, I, I know that we didn't you know, even talk about the linebackers yet, but I think that's a testament to why Fred Warner just got $95 million because he's so reliable and so on point. The anticipation is just awesome. He, he he's become, you know, just that cerebral and physical leader of the defense to the point where the reliability means that you could just talk about everybody else because you know what Fred Warner is going to give you. So uh, Fred Warner's obviously stood out. He it looks like he's even stronger than he was last year. I mean, the the guys the guys big. Uh, you brought this question up. Uh, to Fred, and I, I know that he, he shrugged it off a bit, but I think it's a big deal. I thought it was a very astute observation of you, Matt. Uh, you know, six four linebackers—they they don't typically make them like that, especially yeah. in a, a league of, of downsizing linebackers, where a lot of these guys are, you know, former defensive backs. You saw the Fort Anders do it with Marcel Harris, moving him from strong safety to 
uh, to, to linebacker. Well, Fred Warner is not that. Fred Warner is 6'4", strapping, has added some muscle, but he could still cover, right? So he could do everything for you. He could be stout against the run. His instincts, you know, make him great against the short pass, but he can also get out there and, and, and cover downfield, as we've seen over the past several seasons. So Warner, you can't, you know, praise him enough, and, and you can't pay him enough, and that's why he's making the most money out of any linebacker in the NFL right now. Um, if I had to, you know, name a couple other players, uh, I'll go with a slightly more under-the-radar one. Uh, I've really liked how Trent Sherfield has looked. I don't think he's looked like the 49ers' best receiver. And by the way, I'm going to name Brandon Ayuk in a bit because I think Ayuk has, has looked awesome too. But I think Sherfield has looked like a guy who can make an impact on offense, and that's critical because we already knew that he was going to make this team and make a big impact on special teams. This is one of the better special teams contributors in the league. He scored a touchdown as a gunner for Arizona. I mean, the 49ers struggled in almost all facets of special teams last year. So they went out and got a guy that really impressed them with the Cardinals and Trent Sherfield. He's going to do a lot of dirty work in that third phase of the game for the 49ers. Just watch. He's going to be on all the units. He's going to be a starter on all the units. But the key is for roster building efficiency, you have to have a guy like that also contribute on offense or else he's, you know, he, he, you're not maximizing the 53-man roster. And I've seen him, uh, you know, run good routes. I've seen him block. He is strong. He, he he says he didn't gain any weight since Arizona, and and I believe him now that I've rewatched the film. But it's just something I didn't take into account until we saw him in person. Matt, this guy is ripped, and he's able to deliver in the run game for the 49ers. He's able to deliver in the short game for the 49ers. Uh, you know when they're when they're passing the ball. So for me, it's Warner, it's Sherfield, and it's Brandon Ayuk who's added what five to ten pounds and might be that 49ers punt returner this year. Yeah, and uh, one thing about Trent Sherfield, um, Debo Samuel sat out one practice, and I, I remember thinking to myself. Heading into that practice, okay, let's see if any of these other receivers step up because we were still at the stage where it was Ayuk and Samuel and nobody else, um, and that was the the day that Sherfield did exactly that. He got more reps than he, he normally would get. He got more reps with the ones, and he made the most of them. And, and and that's exactly what you want. Somebody who, if there is an occasion where an Ayuk or Samuel doesn't play. That guy comes in, and it's not, you know, dipping your toe in the water. It, it's seizing the opportunity. And uh, Sherfield had one practice to do that, and he did, uh, which is a great, great sign. The other thing that jumps out about Trent Sherfield is that even on days that they're in shells and everybody else is wearing shorts, Sherfield is always in his football pants, his full uniform. Yeah, uh, it's sort of a like a, a mental thing, I think, for him, just kind of, kind of getting into the mode of uh, – uh, of uh, being on the field on Sundays. You just need guys like that on your team, and the 49ers, I think that helped spearhead a lot of their success in 2019, and they've since promoted guys like that. I think Raheem Mostert was obviously one of them. Remember, he did a ton of initial work as a gunner. Obviously, you don't want to have Mostert now as an all-time gunner. Maybe you use him in the most important situations, or maybe not at all, but you get a guy like Sherfield to take that role and the reason that Sherfield was so excited to sign with the 49ers, or a big part of the reason, was that uh, he's seen guys like Raheem Mostert uh, handle the special teams duties that the 49ers gave him, and he's seen the upward mobility that the 49ers offered, and you know turned Mostert into the team's top running back. He he contributed on special teams. He did the dirty work. He was a football player, not just a running back, and that 
uh, you know, ended up to him being rewarded with uh, greater responsibility. So I think Trent Sherfield is going to be one of those critical glue pieces for the 49ers this year with a chance to earn a bigger role moving forward with the team, even though he's only on a one-year deal. And uh, by the way, there are a lot of one-year deals on this team uh, for that, really, essentially every single position group, right? So this is going to be a fascinating year entering a fascinating offseason because so much of what the 49ers do here in 2020 one, not 2020. We don't want to mistake this with 2020. No. So much of the, what the 49ers do here in 2021 is going to I- impact how they chart the path forward and what's going to be, you know, you thought this offseason was crazy. I think, God, that, that 22 offseason is going to be pivotal for the 49ers as far as the long-term plan is concerned. Well, it just makes it so much easier when you have a starting quarterback who's on a rookie deal. And, and that's that's a huge, probably the biggest part of, uh, of what you're describing, that, that plan going forward and, and how they're going to have susta- sustainability on this team. Um, uh, I, I guess it's, uh, what, 2026 <laughs> when... When Trey Lance's uh, rookie deal comes up, that uh, we'll have to start worrying about then. But uh, for a while, at least, it, it, it seems as if the 49ers will have some leeway to do some of these big deals. That's going to be a lot of fun, but first they have to take care of that short-term business. So, I mean, just to wrap up, I know that we have an actual game coming up. But what do you think is going to happen on uh, Saturday, Matt? Obviously, we don't really care about the, the final score in this game. It's a preseason game, but... Uh, what, what would you personally like to see? The 49ers will uh, likely release their plans a little bit later in the week, whether it be uh, you know running the first team offense out there for a series or two or not running them out there at all. But we're, we're definitely going to see uh, some, some action, some not resolution, but some progress, in my opinion, in some of these position battles. And we're going to get to see a preseason game for the first time since 2019. Uh, Selfishly, I'm excited to see Josh Hokett, uh, the fullback for the 49ers, because you never know. Kyle Juszczyk might be unavailable for a game or two, and uh, I know this is something folks don't want to think about, but injuries happened in 2020. You have to have depth. And I asked Kyle Shanahan about Josh Hokett, the backup fullback, after he caught six passes the other day. And and Shanahan said, well, I hope he could be a guy that makes us comfortable buying Kyle Juszczyk. But I don't know because I didn't get to see him in a preseason game last year. Well, we finally get to see players like that with live tackling in an actual game situation. And I think we're going to learn a lot about exactly how much depth the 49ers really have this coming Saturday. And that's what I'm most excited about tracking. I'm most excited about Talanoa Hufanga. He's a guy, Shanahan noted this, that comes alive a little bit more when the pads go on. And I, I imagine that happens uh, to a greater degree in, in live games like, like we'll have on on uh, on Saturday, um, you know he's been playing safety with the second stringers, so I, I imagine he plays a huge portion of the game. I think that group, you know, the Trey Lance on offense, Hufanga, and others on defense will end up playing more than than any others. And just kind of getting to your point about Sherfield, um, Hufanga also is going to be on just about every special teams unit, and. Um, you know, you and I both remember that those uh, 2011 special teams, Blake Costanzo, um, Gooden, some other guys, that had real personality. There was real chemistry and uh, charisma uh, with those teams, and uh, they made a difference. Those special teams were really, really good, and, and I think the 49ers are starting to get the right mix of guys, and, and Hufanga, I think, is 
one of those straws that stirs the drink. I mean, he's got uh, the personality, he's got the energy, he's got the hype, big hits. He's a guy that can really kind of take what last year was a bad special teams unit into, you know, uh, a, a, an elite one. And I think that, obviously, that uh, that helps a Super Bowl cause quite a bit. So much going on. And I think that we touched on a little bit of all of it, and we went, in, you know, in decent depth on some of this stuff, but we don't want to belabor this beyond an hour, right? So I'm sure there's some people who would want to listen to this for five hours, and some of you probably got sick of us after 20 minutes, but, uh, you know, rest assured, both both extremes you guys will will have something to look forward to we'll have some shorter shows later in the season but we'll have more shows as this season continues so be sure to uh check it out as stuff develops there's going to be a lot to talk about here in this 2021 campaign for the 49ers anyway for matt barrows this is david lombardi this has been the here's the catch 49ers podcast on the athletic we will talk to you soon and we're gonna have a lot of fun with this 2021 year take care everybody